Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Well, listen, guys, we are so thrilled that you're here. You guys can go ahead and take a seat today. We love you very much, and we are so glad to see you tonight. And I am very excited because we have a Five Minutes of Fire speaker that I'm obsessed with. So if you guys are familiar with Five Minutes of Fire, you know that that is when we nominate a student to speak for five minutes on any topic that they want to from the Bible, all right? So this week's speaker is actually my church buddy. We ride to church, to church, and home from church, every church service together. So she has to spend a lot of time with me. I think I enjoy it more than she does. But I am so glad to be partners with her and coming to church. And I want you to please give it up for Lacey, who is our speaker tonight. So come on, Lacey. She's going to kill it. I've seen her notes. It's really good. Okay, well, I'm excited to be up here. So I'm actually going to start with our first verse, which is going to be Genesis 127. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So a question for you guys. Who in here thinks that God creates everything perfectly? Everything that he does is perfect the way it is then why don't you think that you're perfect? Why don't you think that anything that you do is right? I have another verse, which is going to be 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Now that we, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Now, why are we comparing ourselves to others? One reason might be that we think we're always making mistakes. So when we see another person's success or another person's perfection, it makes us seem like our mistakes are always going to happen. When we don't know if the other person has made a bunch of mistakes before they got there. In all honesty, they might have made a million mistakes before they got to the point that they're at now. Or when we look at our failures and we look at another person's success, it makes us feel like we're not ever going to be successful because we can't get there. When we don't know if the other person failed a million times before succeeding. And failure, in all honesty, is the key to success. My, se- my third verse is going to be Galatians 1.10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Another reason we might be comparing ourselves to others is because we want to be like them. We want to please them and be accepted by them. If we have to constantly change who we are for other people, then are those really the people that God put in our lives for us? Well, they aren't because God made the right people for us. The people God that people oh my gosh the people that God made for us are going to be the people that we can be our true selves around and we're going to be accepted by them anyways. We don't have to change for other people. The only reason we're changing is because the devil is in our brain telling us that these people are for us. These people we have to do this to be accepted by these people. My fourth verse is going to be Romans twelve two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, oh, I just lost it, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that of God, an acceptable and perfect will of God. 
we are great the way we are, so why are we still continuing to want to be like other people? Romans 12, 2 specifically says that you may prove what is that, go- what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What that's saying is basically we are living proof of what God makes is perfect. And the devil is just trying to ruin it. Okay, so this is kind of like a side note. This isn't even anything to do with this. So most of us in here are Gen Z, right? Generation, that's where Gen comes from. But where does the letter Z come from? I actually saw this on an, on Instagram, actually, so. <laughs> the Bible is written in Hebrew. Most of the Bible is written in Hebrew. Where does the letter Z come from? The letter Z in Hebrew, it stands for a weapon, to be armed, soldier. It could stand, what if our generation God made to fight the devil? We are armed with the word of God to stop letting the devil into our brain. He's breaking you down slowly and slowly. He wants us to turn on God. So making you seem like nothing is his attempt to push you away from God. We need to stop letting him win. He is making us change and change when in all reality, whenever he's done breaking us down, we're going to realize that we're broken down, and then we're not going to think that we're good enough for God, so we're just going to go. We're just going to leave God, and we're going to go. Matthew 7, 1. Judge that you not be judged. Most of us, I can't speak for all of you guys, but I know some of us in here live in fear that we are constantly being judged. I'm up here right now. I feel like I'm being judged when I'm not, in all honesty, probably. I hope so. But (laughs) you guys are just taking in the word of God. Everything that I'm saying, you guys are taking. We constantly think that other people are better than us, and we're judging ourselves for it. And we're judging others thinking that they're judging us. So why are we constantly judging others thinking that they're judging us when they're not? They're living in fear, probably, maybe, I don't know, that they're being judged. But nine times out of ten, they aren't judging us. They aren't. They're probably thinking that we're judging them. Galatians 6, 4. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given me, God has given them, to do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves, and not in being affirmed by others. This is a long one. This verse is basically telling us that our that his work is perfect the way it is. No individual is better than you or your work. There is no competition with God. So if you constantly think that, oh, this person is better than me, oh, this person's doing better than me, then you're living in a constant competition with yourself and your brain. Nobody else, just you and your brain. He wants everyone the way that they are. He created us. God created us the way we are. So why would he want us to change? The devil is the one who wants us to change, not God. If you feel the need to change, then you are listening to the devil. You're not listening to God. God doesn't want you to change, but when you need to change for the devil, God needs you to change. The only time that God wants you to change is if you are constantly living in sin. God wants you to repent and be free from those sins and not fall back into them. Why would God create something so perfect and so awesome just for him to want it to change, just for it to need to be changed? He didn't. God created, God did not create us to change us. He created us to change the world. He created us to bring people to him. 
not push people away, not think that we're being pushed away, thinking that we're not good enough. He created us, he, oh, he created us to help others, not change others. He wants us to be able to save people from the devil and introduce them to him, not change for the devil. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you are disqualified. That's telling us that the only reason we should be comparing ourselves to others is if we are completely at loss of God. That's saying that God cannot help us. God will not accept us. And I'm telling all of you right now, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, you can always turn to God. God will never turn away from you. God will always accept us as long as you openly admit that he is your Lord, that he is your Savior. And if you repent from all your sins and you don't constantly keep going and going and going back to them, God will always accept you no matter what. He made you for that reason. So you are never disqualified from God. You are never not good enough for God. He made you for this reason. He made us to fight off the devil. He made us, he made millions of different generations for different reasons. One thing the devil will do to you is trick you and trick you and trick you into thinking that he's not there and he's constantly there. He's in your ear. He's in your mind. He's everywhere. And if you are constantly listening to that voice in the back of your head that's telling you you're not good enough, that, oh, they look better than you today, or they're doing better than you, or they're smarter than you, and they might be, but that doesn't matter. As long as you have God on your side, that's all you need. You don't need people who are going to sit here and sit here and tell you over and over and over again, you need to do this if you want to be our friend. You need to do this if you want to do this. That's the devil. Those people, God did not create for you. Maybe God created those people for some guy on the side of the road. Maybe, that's, maybe those people are for him. They're not for us. Maybe God made these people for your mom. Maybe those should be your mom's friends, not your friends. Another thing is, if you don't believe in God, your world will shift. Your world will change. And some, most of us, actually all of us in here obviously believe in God. But not all of us know him. Some of us might just know of him, but we don't all know him. I didn't know him until this year. I knew of him my whole life. But nothing was changing. I just kept sinning over and over and over again. I just kept doing the same things. I just kept looking at other people and was like, that person's better than me. That person's doing better than me. And I found God. And now I can look at people and I'm just like, that person believes in God. Oh. Or these people are telling me I need to do this. Maybe these people are telling me I have to go to a party and get drunk. Those people aren't for me. I need to bring those people to God. Those people, the devil is in their brain, and those people have listened and listened and listened to God. Have not listened to God this whole time. They have listened to the devil over and over and over again. If they're just going to keep sinning, then you need to help them for God. You cannot help everybody. You're not going to get to everybody. Sometimes you're just going to ask a person and be like, oh, yep, let's go to church. But you're going to go to another person, and you're going to have to pray for this person over and over again until they're finally like, hey, I want to go to church. 
Because not everybody is going to openly admit they want to go to church. For some people, that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing for some people. But once they start going to church, they're going to realize, oh, I've been comparing myself to this person this whole time. When honestly, they're living in sin. They're probably living in sin. Actually, not probably, but maybe. Maybe they're living in sin. We don't know. We don't know what's going on in these other people's lives. We want to be like people because they're prettier than us, they're cuter than us, they're smarter than us, they're better at this, they're better at that. Maybe you play a sport and somebody on the team is better than you. You constantly are looking at the other person and you're like, I want to be as good as them. I want to do that. I want to do this. Maybe you have a dream job. You want to be a, I don't know, a firefighter. You're looking at the news. You're looking at newspapers. Probably not newspapers. You're probably looking at your phone. Oh, these people are firefighters? I want to be like them. No, you don't. You want to be yourself. You want to be who you are. Because you might not even need to be a firefighter. God might not have put you in this world to be a firefighter. Maybe he put these women, these men in the world to be a firefighter. Maybe he put you in this world to talk to people, to be a missionary, to show people the word of God. Maybe he put you in this world to be a doctor. Stop thinking that you want to be like somebody because you don't. Maybe you do, but you really don't. You want to be yourself. God put you in this world for a reason. He put you in this world to talk to people, to become friends. To He didn't put you in this world to live in sin and be unhappy with your lives. He put us in this world so we would be happy in his word, in his way, in his living. We need to live with God. We need to live for God. We don't need to live, like, we don't want to be beside God. We want to be with God constantly. That probably didn't make sense, but still, (laughs) we need to be, we need to live for God. Stop living for the devil. Stop having him in the back of your head telling you you're not good enough. You need to leave this place. You need to do this. You need to do that because you don't. Maybe the devil says, oh, that person right there, go talk to them. Don't talk to them. Wait till God tells you to talk to them. You'll know if God is talking to you when you have a gut feeling. If something's just in your head and you don't feel it in your whole body, that's not God. That's the devil. If you're sitting there and just something in your head is like, oh, go tell this person they're not doing great. They're doing terrible at this. That's the devil. But if you have a thought in your head and you can feel it in your whole body and it's like electricity in your body, And they're telling you, go tell this person that they're doing great because you never know what somebody needs to be told. That's God. That's what God wants you to do. God is constantly, constantly trying to tell you what to do. And the devil's just trying to ruin it. The devil's trying to make you feel like you're not good enough for God. So he's going to make you feel sick every single time you go out. He's going to make you feel sick every single time you do this or every single time you do that. Every single time you go to church, you could feel sick. So God, so the devil's going to be like, I'm going to make them feel sick. So they stop going to church, and then they think that church is the reason they're sick. That's the devil. Go to church. I came to church one day. I felt so sick. I left. I felt great. <laughs> Let me tell you. Go. But stop comparing yourself to others because you don't know what that other person is living in. You don't know if that person is living in sin. You don't know if that person is living for the God. For God. You constantly, 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 we all do this. I know we all do this. You can't even tell me that you don't because I know you do this. If you play, okay, let's say you play football and you're watching the NFL one day. Oh, I want to be like that guy. You play basketball. You're watching the NBA. 
oh, I might be in high school, but I want to be like this guy or this girl. No, God didn't, God might not have put you in the world for that. If you make it to the NBA, you know what? Congratulations. Like, that's great for you. However, that's what God put you in this world to do. God didn't put you in the world to be like others. He didn't put you in this world to constantly judge and constantly think you're being judged. He didn't put you in this world for the devil to ruin it. The devil is in this world to ruin you, to ruin God. We are armed with God's word, and God knows that, and the devil knows that. Okay, actually, I have something else for you guys. Before you knew God, you're constantly living in sin, obviously. But the devil is getting his way. So not much is going wrong in your life. Not much is happening. You go to church. You start finding out about God, this and that. Your world starts to fall apart. That's not God. God is. God will constantly tell us that our faith is great. God might test your faith. Probably not because, I mean, God knows if you're faithful or not. The devil will test your faith. The devil is going to sit here and break your world apart for you to be like, you know what, I started going to church and this person died. My dog ran away. My grades are slipping. That's the devil. Turn to God. Tell God, I'm devastated that this person died. I'm sad that my dog ran away. I'm upset that my grades are failing. Pray to God. He'll tell you what to do. He constantly, God has a plan for you, obviously. We all know this. We've been through this. But if we're not following God's plan, that's, we're not following God's plan if we're comparing ourselves to others, if we're judging others, if we're living in sin and we go to God, repent our sin, go back, do it again. That's walking backwards. Nobody wants to walk backwards because you can't see behind you. You can only see in front of you. And God is in front of you. The devil is behind you. So he knows that you can't see him. So he's going to trick you over and over again into thinking that he's not there. Because I can't, I can't see behind me unless I turn around. And when you turn around, you're turning your back on God. You are turning your back on God. You need to just keep looking straight. Keep, I'm great the way I am. I'm perfect the way I am. Don't ever turn your back on God. Don't ever look back to, you can fight the devil standing right here looking at God. Because if you keep your faith on God, your attention on God, the devil, he's never going to leave you alone. But he's going to realize that your faith is on God. He's not going to stop what he's doing. But he's going to realize, oh, you know what? This person isn't obviously going to talk to me. He's going to target your friend. He's going to target your family. He's going to do more and more to your world to try to break you apart. He's going to bring somebody in your life that, okay, once again, you play sports. He's going to bring somebody into your life that is better at this sport than you, so you think you're bad at it. And then you're going to look to God and be like, God, why can't I be like this person? Why can't I play sports as good as this person? So you're going to turn your back on God because you're upset. And when you turn your back on God, that's when the devil opens his arms and wants to welcome you to your not home. God is constantly with his arms open for anybody and everybody. He has helped so many people. But when you are comparing yourselves to others, that is not helping him. He's going to be sad, maybe, that you're not coming to him for that. You're not, he's probably going to be sad that you're not God. Why can't I be like this person? And he's going to tell you, because I don't want you like that person. I didn't make you to be like that person. If I wanted you to be that person, you would be that person. That's what God is trying to tell you. And the devil is trying to tell you, well, you can't be like that person because you're not good enough. 
God didn't make you good enough. God didn't do this. God didn't do that. And when you turn around to react to the devil, you're turning your back on God. Stop turning your back on God. Just keep looking forward. Keep looking at him. Another thing is when you are constantly judging others, that's letting the devil win. Because God doesn't want us to judge others. Do we ever, who has ever judged God? Nobody. Nobody has judged God. So if other people, if we see God in other people, if we see Jesus in other people, why are we judging them? If we have God in us, we don't judge God. We don't judge Jesus. We don't judge heaven. So why are we judging others? If they're constantly, they were put in this world. If we meet a person, okay, wow. You know what? Maybe God put them in my world. Maybe the devil put them in my world. But God put everybody in this world. Not everybody's for you. Not everybody's made to be your friend. Maybe not everybody's made to be like you. Maybe you're not made to be like everybody. But it's not always going to be like that. Your world is going to fall apart over and over again, and you're going to look at others and be like, why can't I be like that? Why can't I do that? Because God doesn't want you to be like that. That's all I have to say. Good work. Lacey, that was great. Give it up for her. She is clearly not afraid of public speaking, right? And there's a lot to be said for that. Lacey Lou, great job. And it's interesting, she brought up you guys being Gen Z, because I'm going to start with that tonight. I'll be short, I'll be sweet. But I was thinking about this, right? I'm a millennial. I didn't have to tell you. There are signs, right? You can tell. You guys are Gen Z. And there's one big difference I want to look at between my generation and your generation, And it's embarrassing. No, this is coming from my heart, and I'm saying something that's hard to admit, all right? Are you ready? Millennials are just confident, right? Confident in ways they shouldn't be. You know this. When the millennials got on TikTok, it just went south, right? That's not who I want to follow on TikTok. Millennials do things like this. Millennials think that they are great dancers. Have you noticed? They think they're excellent dancers. Weddings, parties, cooking in their kitchen, TikToks, they see you guys doing this stuff and they're like, I can totally do that and I look really good, right? They're comfortable putting this out in the world. They're very confident. They also think they can sing. Have you noticed? They sing really loud. Did you guys hear me during worship? I was very loud, louder than I had any business being, right? Millennials are really confident. Because of this, right, a lot of times we see millennials are really judgy, right? People try to pawn it off on boomers, but it's not just the boomers. It's millennials, too. They're judgy. They got rude things to say. They always want to call out other people. They're calling out their baby daddy on Facebook. They're calling out their fake friend on Facebook. Just letting everybody know, not naming names, but just say a prayer for me. The devil is testing me today. Just putting it out there, right? They're confident, too, where they think they can do anything. These are the MLM people. You know it. Hey, girly, you guys, maybe you're not old enough yet. Wait till you get out of high school, and you're going to get these messages that say, Hey, girly, um, hope you're doing really well. I just wanted to check in with you because I found an amazing opportunity to make money from home. Uh, It's amazing. My team is incredible. I just want a trip to Hawaii. It's amazing. And if you want in on this business opportunity, message me, girl. And then you ignore the message, and then like a week later, they're like, Hey, girl. Did you get my message? And you're like, I feel like you should be able to tell. I got your message. I'm not interested, right? 
you people aren't doing this. This is just millennials only, right? Uh, Young Living or whatever the latest essential oil is. I don't even know. Some girl I went to high school with, she just went to Hawaii for Young Living. So I'm not going to act like I didn't think about it for a second because I was like, she's in Hawaii and I'm in southern Indiana. One of us is winning and it kind of looks like her, right? But millennials are very confident to an embarrassing level, right? They kind of always think they're right. They kind of like to share their opinion loudly, blah, 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 blah. You guys know this, right? But here's the difference what I see between my generation and your generation. And I want to speak to you tonight because Gen Z tends to be really not confident, right? You guys tend to lack confidence. And this is coming from my heart, not as a criticism, but just as somebody who loves you and talks to you guys a lot. I hear a lot of just, well, I I wanted to do that, but I, I just don't know if I can, right? I don't know if I'll have the money. I don't know if I can get into the program. I checked into it, but it seems really hard. I'm not really sure I'm going to be able to do that. My, my generation's like, we can do anything. We can be president. We can go to the moon. No one's going to be president. Three people are going to the moon. Whatever. You know, we're not doing any of those things. But I want to speak to your heart tonight because one thing that I have noticed is that you guys lack confidence. And I believe that's for a lot of reasons. Number one, you guys have grown up in a really crazy world, right? There are a lot of things that have happened in my generation, but there are a lot of things that have happened in your generation. A lot of big situations, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of intimidation, a lot of violence, a lot of unrest, a lot of really, really big things. So if you feel tonight like you lack confidence and feeling like you can do what you want to do, and that like you can chase the dreams that are in your heart, I'm going to speak to you tonight, and this message is very simply called, How to Be Successful, because I see in you guys a fear of sorts that you won't find happiness in life, if I could say it that way, a fear that you won't be successful, a fear that maybe your struggles now will be your struggles forever, and that's not what God says about you, so I'm here to remind you tonight that God wants you to be successful, and he's made it really easy by giving us his word so that we can see how he's designed us to be successful, but one thing I want to point out at first that I think is part of maybe what we can all struggle with, thanks to social media, is how we define success, right? I would say the average person on the street, if I asked them what is success, they would say things like financial stability, right? My dream job, uh, maybe having a healthy family, maybe having a successful career. (laughs) Not a successful career. That's very different. (laughs) A successful career, (laughs) All the Christian kids are like, maybe having sex, that, you know what, marriage, it's my dream, okay? (laughs) We're out here 18 in these streets having a tough time. (laughs) That might be some people's definition of success. Are you guys uncomfortable yet? That's one thing about millennials. They're just going to say it, and there's not a lot of shame or embarrassment. So that is me. That is me. But success always, people's definitions just revolve around what you can achieve and what you can get, right? And when we see successful people on social media, they're wealthy and they're famous. And that's pretty much it, right? We look at that and say, wow, they're so successful, but they're addicted and they have family issues and they have mental, mental health struggles. And I'm not saying that to criticize them, but I'm saying let's challenge that idea of success. Because I believe that you can be a millionaire, but if you are addicted and depressed, then you are still broke. That is a broke life and a life that I don't want to live. So as we're looking at this, we want to say, what is success? This is what dictionary.com says. It says success 
is the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. Basically, success just means you accomplished what you set out to do. Doesn't mean you gained a certain amount of money, a certain number of followers. Success just means you accomplished what you set out to do. So if we want to know how will we be successful, we have to know what we're setting out to do. That's how we're successful is we achieve what we set out to do. So I want to say this to you tonight. Listen, success is not for the lucky or for the wealthy or for the gifted or for the smartest or for the strongest or the best. Success is given to those who make the decisions that lead to success. Follow me for just a second. Success isn't given, and it's not magical. Success comes from making good decisions. And that's it. You want to be successful? Make good decisions. It's that easy. And as Christians, we are told in the word of God that it is the Bible that is to inform our decisions. So as a Christian, I know that I will find success if I let the word of God and the spirit of God determine my life decisions. And that makes it so easy. I don't have to achieve anything. I don't have to chase anything. I don't have to put in overtime. My success will come from my decisions. And as a Christian, my decisions will be determined by the word of God and by the spirit of God. And here's why it's important to have both, right? The word of God gives us all generic instruction. It says things like forgive, right? Be loving and be kind, right? It says uh, don't cause harm to others. It says pray and read your Bible and worship God. It says to live a holy life. These are generic instructions for each of us. So number one, the word of God is giving me direction on which decision to make. If I'm looking at doing something holy or unholy, the word of God will settle that, right? If I'm looking at forgiving someone or not forgiving someone, the word of God will settle that decision for me. So the word of God gives us all generic instruction. But here's why we also need the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit gives us specific instruction. So there are some things in your life that you'll come up against that you need a specific word from God about, right? Does the Bible tell you what college to go to? No. Does it tell you who to marry? No. Does it tell you what job to get? No. There are things that the Bible gives us wisdom on, but not a specific answer on. So I get generic instruction from the Bible, but I get specific instruction from the Holy Spirit. And together with those two things, that will lead me into decisions that bring success into my life. So as we kind of get toward wrapping up here, I have just a couple of things that I want to share with you out of Proverbs 16 that are going to tell us how to be successful, and it makes it really easy. Proverbs 16, 1 through 9, in the Passion, I'm going to read all the verses, and then we'll break them down just a little bit. It says this, Go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We're all in love with our own opinions. We're convinced they're correct, but the Lord is in the midst of us testing and proving our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself then every plan you make will succeed. You'll have success. The Lord works everything together to accomplish his purpose. Even the wicked are included in his plans, and he sets them aside for the day of disaster. Yahweh detests all of the proud of heart, for pride attracts his punishment, and you can count on that. You can avoid evil through surrendered worship and the fear of God, for the power of his faithful love removes sin's guilt and its grip over you. When the Lord is pleased with the decisions you've made, he activates grace to turn even enemies into friends. It's better to have a little with a heart that loves justice than to be rich and not have God on your side. 
Within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. So I would encourage you guys to go home and read that passage, but I'm going to pull out just a couple of easy things that we can see in these verses that are teaching us how to be successful. Number one is to go with God's plan, not yours. Go with God's plan, not yours. Verse 2 says it like this. We're all in love with our own opinions. We're convinced that they are correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us testing and probing our every motive. I want to say to you tonight that if you choose God's plan, you will always find success. And when you choose your own plan, you will always find heartache. And I want to make it clear that those two things are not always completely separate, right? Generally, the things that you want for your life, God wants you to have in your life, right? You want to be happy. You want to have peace. You want to have financial stability. And you want to go to school and have a family and get this job. All of that is totally fine, right? So most of those things that are in our heart, God is fine with us having. But we have to realize there are God's plans and there are my plans. And we've all been there before. We know that when we've done things we knew we shouldn't do, we got into a mess, right? We've all felt that. If you haven't, then talk to me afterward and tell, you how, tell me how you did it. But we've all been there where we chose our own plan, we did something we knew that was wrong, and the consequences were worse than expected, right? Because it's like, mm, you know what, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I feel like it's going to be fine. And every time that I have done that, the aftermath has been much worse than anything I could have anticipated. So you have to realize as a human, you're going to think that your plans are good. That's what this verse says, right? You're going to think your opinions are great, and you're going to think that your plans make sense. Let's have enough maturity to look at our own self and say, hey, I'm human, and even though I feel like this is a good idea, if I see that God has a different plan for me, I'm going to choose his plan. I'm going to choose God's plan and not be fooled by my own self-confidence, my own mind, my own humanity to think that I really know how I should live my life. And let me tell you this, it really doesn't get better as you get older, and here's what I mean. I feel like when I was in high school, I thought, you know what, once I'm like 24, 25, I will have it together. Like, I will know what to do. I'm going to be doing great. I'll probably have a lot of extra money. I'll probably be taking vacations to Hawaii. Who needs young living? I can take my own self, right? I had these really great ideas of what I thought it would be to be in my mid-20s. At age 25, I was basically a dumpster fire, right? My emotions were (laughs) even more um, out of control than they were in high school. The extra money just wasn't there. You know what I had to do? I had to buy tires for my car. I had to fix my car after I hit a deer. I had to just be buying stuff no one wants to buy, right? Health insurance, not fun, not a good time. There was no Hawaii at age 25 that I was paying for, right? I thought that I was going to be stable and have all the answers in life. Then I was 25, and I I wasn't stable, and I didn't have all the answers. So I thought, you know what, though? I feel like once I get to my 30s, it's going to be fine, right? Like, 20s are for learning, and then, like, 30s are for feeling good about what you've learned and just being cool moving forward. I'm 32, okay, and I, I, we're, not feeling, we're not feeling very cool. We're not feeling like we have it together. We're not feeling like we have all the answers. My point is that... You will always need God's plan (laughs) because the older you get, the more you will actually realize 
my plans are not very good. This did not go according to plan. If I look at my life right now, very little of it went according to plan. So I, I stand here today, and I'm actually so grateful that God has a plan because at this point, I don't want mine. I saw what my own plans could bring me, and it was not a lot, okay? It was not much. But with God's plan, it has carried me further than I ever thought I could go and has opened doors for me that I never expected to see. So that's the first thing tonight. Listen, choose God's plan, not yours. The second thing is to trust in God, not yourself. Trust in God, not yourself. Verse 3 of that chapter said this, before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. If you want your plans to succeed, you put your trust entirely in God for the whole thing. If you want your plans to succeed, put your trust in God. And how do we do that? We get up every day and we remind ourselves of who's in control of our life. This is what this looks like really practically. Me waking up every day saying, God, today I trust you. Today I give my life to you again. This day is about you and not about me. This is about what you want to do and not about what I want to do. You know everything that I've got going on in my life, and I might pray if there's a situation at work or at school or something going on in my life, but ultimately I remind myself that, God, I'm trusting you, and I'm actually here on this earth for you. So whatever's trying to upset me or bug me or depress me or give me anxiety today, I'm giving it to you because I am here for you, and today I trust you and not me. And that verse says, when we trust God about anything, our plans will succeed. So we can imply from that, if we don't trust God about anything, our plans will not succeed, right? And so many times I had the audacity to really be shocked when something didn't work out in my life. Just be like, wow, I, you know, this, that's not how I thought it was going to go. But when I looked back, there was absolutely no trust in God. I trusted myself completely, and there was no success. But the Bible says, hey, when you go to do anything, trust God, and then every plan you make will succeed. Just I've got a couple more things. The next thing is to stay humble. It says in verse 5 that God detests all the proud of heart, for pride attracts his punishment, and you can count on that. And here's what I want to remind to you. When you start to trust God, and when your life starts to go well and things start to change, there is a temptation to give yourself credit. When things start to really turn and things are getting better and you get handed a microphone and you get promoted and this happens at school and that happens at work, even though God is doing those things because you trusted him, there is always just this temptation to think, man, I'm doing really good. I'm doing great. This is, look at me, I'm, wow, thank you, God. I never thought I would be here. Look at me, right? Look at me. This will be your whole life. So I just want to say to you tonight, stay humble and remember how you got there and remember who got you there. Not only God, but all the leaders in your life, all the people that love you and all the people that encourage you. I am so grateful that I'm able to tell people all the time, they say, well, you did great at this, you did great at that. And I really, truly have to say, it's only because there's like 40 people that helped me do this. With everything, all the time, there was people who were willing to have the hard conversations with me and say, hey, you're not doing well. Hey, you're, you're not being a good leader right now. Hey, you're falling a little bit short in this area. Those difficult conversations got me to where I am today. And that keeps me so humble to look back and realize I didn't get here alone. 
The next thing is to avoid evil. It says this in verse six, you can avoid evil through surrendered worship and through the fear of God or the awe and the reverence of God. For the power of his faithful love removes sin's guilt and grip over you. And we won't stay on this long tonight. I promise I'm almost finished. But if you want success in your life, avoid evil. Go ahead and keep sin out of your life. Make a decision to close the door to sin and keep it shut. Because no matter how fun it is or how good it feels, it always brings damage and destruction. And that's another thing that doesn't get better as you get older, right? (laughs) It doesn't get better as you get older. The Bible says a phrase that's really interesting. It says, sin is fun for a season. And this is actually so powerful for us to know. It really says to me that I can make mistakes and I can make wrong choices and I'm going to have a good time for a little bit. And that's a great warning, right? I needed that in life to understand, you know what, I feel like I want to do that and that seems like a good time. But the Bible is saying sin is fun for a season. And when that season ends, you are left in the ruins of the decisions that you've made. And God has to, he's, he's always willing to get us out and he's always willing to restore us. Absolutely. But there is heartache that comes with that and recovery that comes with that. And it's not an overnight transformation. So I would challenge you tonight to remove sin from your life. If you really want to be successful, focus on what's important. Live a life that is holy. Go to bed early. Listen, okay, this is, a, this is a difference between your generation and my generation. But you know what? Nobody's partying at 8 p.m. No one's getting drunk at 9 p.m., not in my world. Like when, when I'm going to bed, all that hasn't even started yet, right? If you go to bed early, you will generally stay out of trouble. If you wake up early, you'll probably stay out of trouble too. Your friends aren't up at 5 a.m., right? I'm that annoying person texting all my friends back super early in the morning, and they're like, gosh, my phone was going off waking me up. I said, I am so sorry. Put it on silent. (laughs) That's when I'm going to text you back. That's when I'm getting up. But make wise decisions. Make wise decisions. Realize that sin is fun for a season, and then it is full of destruction. And if you want to find success, you will have a much easier road to get there if you will remove sin from your life. It is much easier to choose God's plan when you are committed to keeping sin out of your life. And the very last thing I want to share with you tonight about how to be successful is to hold on to the dream that God's put in your heart and let him direct your steps. And I know it's a little corny when people talk about the dreams that are in your heart, but so many of you will come to me and you'll say, Morgan, I want to know like what I'm called to do, right? I want to know what my calling is. What is my purpose? What is like the thing I'm supposed to do? You know, I know I'm supposed to, to love people and bring people to Jesus, but like what am I called to do? And most of those people actually know what they're called to do. They just haven't realized it. Whatever God has put in your heart is going to be your calling. And here's an example with me. My whole life, literally my entire life, I wanted to be a teacher. Like kindergarten or first grade. I was not going to do middle or high school, right? They would kick me out of the room. You guys know that. I couldn't hang. But first grade, kindergarten, I could totally do that. So this was my, like, life plan for a long time. And I got to high school, literally to where I was graduating, and I was feeling like I don't feel like I'm supposed to go to school and and go for education. And this makes no sense because my whole life I wanted to be a teacher. And I really thought God had put that in me. Like, I love working with kids. I want to be a teacher. 
Well, then I get ready to go to college, and I can tell I'm not supposed to study education. So I fiddle-farted around for a minute, tried this, tried that, whatever, landed in business, which is what people do when they don't know what to do. I picked marketing because I thought, well, that sounds neat. Did I know what marketing was? No, I didn't. I added management because I thought a dual concentration sounded better than a single concentration. I'm just making these decisions, whatever. I get my degree. It's fine. It's fine. So, you know, I go work in my field, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But look what God did. I get to teach people at church. And there was a way that God had made for that dream to come to pass in my heart. And I wasn't wrong. I grew up my whole life knowing I was going to be a teacher. It was just in a different way than what I was thinking the whole time. Right? So when God puts something in your heart, you can be confident that that's your calling. And I I really felt like it was a teacher. But you might not have that label on it. That's okay. You might just say, I really, I really want to be an entrepreneur, and I've always wanted to own my own business, right? You might say, I really love working with people, and I don't know what that means, but, like, I love to care for people, right? You might say, you know what? I just love, uh, I love solving problems, right? I love, I love organization, and I love uh, project management, blah, 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 blah. If God has put these things in you, hold on to those things. It might be taking you on a different path than you thought to get there. But God put that in your heart for a reason. So you don't have to be freaked out feeling like, I don't know what I'm called to do. God put it in your heart. But here's what I want to encourage you tonight. Hold on to what God has put in your heart and let him direct your steps. If I had gone to school to be a teacher, I would 100% not be teaching in schools right now, I'm sure. I feel like I wouldn't have lasted long, if I'm being honest. But also, that would have been a mistake because that's not what God called me to do. So even though that dream was in my heart, I still had to follow his steps and let him direct me into that. And in verse 9 of that chapter we were looking at, it says this. Within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. So I want to encourage you tonight, take the steps God tells you to take, even if they don't seem like they make sense. Did a business degree really make sense for me? I don't think so. Do I seem businessy to you? That's, I don't feel like I'm giving business. Exactly. See, it made no sense. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I had to be in like a couple boardrooms and different things with men in suits at my last job, and I just sat there and sweated a lot. And I would say my presence was probably unhelpful. I said nothing. I listened a lot. I tried to like take notes. And if they asked me anything, I said, you know what? I would be happy to check on that for you. I'll send you an email. And that's it. So... I'm not giving business, but God led me in these steps that seemed like they didn't make sense, but they set me up perfectly for what I was called to do. So I want to encourage you tonight, hey, find success in God's plan. Don't limit yourself to a worldly definition of success that just involves money and fame. Success is going to bed at night with peace. Success is being free from depression and anxiety. Success is seeing people come to Jesus. And success is walking in the plan of God. So we love you guys very much tonight. We are so thrilled that you are here. We're actually going to eat some hot Belgian waffles together tonight. We have waffles. We have toppings. So you all can chill in here for just a couple minutes. We'll get the waffles ready, and we'll let you know just as soon as those are ready. And again, we love you guys very much. We're here if you need prayer, if you need encouragement, or if there's anything we can help you with, just let us know. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 